0: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Marvel Galaxy Podcast with your host, truly, Evan Cornick. I wanted to start off by saying that this week you're going to get two, count them, two Episodes in a row. First, today's episode, we're going to be talking about my rewatch of the Kenobi series and the different thoughts that I had during that entire series because I don't believe I gave a proper review, nor do I remember if the podcast was up and fully running during the time the Kenobi show came out. So I feel like it would be very good indeed to kind of do a run through of that as well as I was inspired because I saw a TikTok uh, about some different Marvel theories uh, from back couple years ago. So I kind of want to talk about all those. But first, let's get into something that I wanted to bring to the table. I really want to start trying to push this podcast outwards. It's not necessarily trying to become like famous off of podcasting. It's just something that I'm really passionate about. And I can see the stats based on Podbean, which is where I you know, publish all of my podcasts from. I'm working with Spotify right now to try and get a secondary publishing source out there. Um, this is already on Spotify via uh, Podbean, but I'm hoping that if I get through uh, Spotify for podcasters is what they call it, that maybe they can have some different channels to where I can kind of gain some more viewership, because like I said, it is not necessarily that I'm trying to become famous off of this, it's just this is something I'm very passionate about, and I just want to see interaction from the community, I listen to a couple different podcasts, well one mainly, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, and I'm just really inspired by them, they kind of have like this huge following, and they are... More or less not that they're making money from it, but they're able to interact with so many people. They have, uh, you know, an Instagram account. They have Twitter. Um, I know their main way because I believe for the people that do that, um, this is their main source of, like, income and such. So they have a Patreon, which is where you can, you know, pay to be able to talk to them. But I don't want to necessarily do a Patreon. I want to be able to try and gain a following. And and, and notice what I really want to start out with is Instagram. Because I made a dedicated Instagram account for this, so I want those followers to kind of start to inflate a little bit. So that once they inflate, hopefully um, I can get interactions from pretty much people all around um, the Star Wars and Marvel fandoms. And who knows, maybe I'll start posting on the account, uh, giving reviews that way. I've even thought about the more comic book movies I've watched. Um... You know, do I start doing like movie reviews, like physically typing them out in forums that way? I'm not entirely sure. But if you do happen to be listening to this podcast now, if you've made it this far in uh, without skipping ahead to where the actual content starts, uh, feel free to let a friend know, let a couple buddies know. Uh, maybe even if you're following my Instagram account, which is the dot Marvel Galaxy on Instagram, same picture as the profile for my podcast here, wherever you may be listening to it. Feel free to like, shout out the account. Um definitely just I want as many people to listen to this as possible because like I said, something I'm very passionate about. But enough reiterating myself. Let's get in to what we're here to talk about today. And this is where I want to try and elevate the podcast so that instead of me saying, "Hey, let's get into it" and then just immediately start talking, I can kind of take a break and add some music cuz I think that would be cool. Anyways, I digress. I'm only eight episodes into this podcast. I hope to you know, just keep doing it. I don't really care that it costs me money per month. It's a passion of mine. We're going to do it. Some people buy drugs. I produce podcasts. That deserves to go on a t-shirt. Let's dive right in. So over spring break, I rewatched most of Kenobi and then coming back from spring break, uh, mostly happened last week. I just fully rewatched the entire series. Um, I was mostly doing it because I was building a Lego set that was inspired by the Kenobi show, the Justifier that all the Inquisitors, you know, flew around in. I don't think we saw it that much, to be honest with you, in the actual show itself. Um, however, I just wanted to, you know, watch something while I built, and then I started getting really into it again, and I was like, let me just let me just do a full rewatch because, for fuck's sake, it's Kenobi. Like we are in this era where we want fan service so badly. We want to be rewarded for these perfect castings that were done so long ago and we just yearn for them to be back. And we finally got Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi, as you all know. And we had Hayden Christensen back as Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader in some parts of it. And the more I watched it, the angrier it made me the second time I watched it. When I first watched it, I was just so happy I was like a happy little camper just being like, wow, we have Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. This is awesome. This is cool. I love all of these characters. Why is Riva getting hate? You know, just accept Star Wars the way it is. I've also realized that n- pretty much all of my episodes that I've released on this podcast have been all about positivity. And I'm not trying to say that I'm going to be a negative Nancy or this big bad movie critic. Nine times out of ten, I do disagree with the movie critics. I feel like they're a little too harsh, and I don't like the toxicity of the Star Wars and Marvel fan bases. But Disney is a billion dollar company. They deserve to be held accountable when they just flat out fail. And I think they're seeing that time and time again. Not only with their Marvel content, but now their Star Wars content. They released all of the sequels, and we really liked Episode Seven. But the rest, of the two other ones, if you're a real Star Wars fan, you just don't talk about it, or you don't recognize them as canon, or you really just want them to not be canon. Um, all of the actors hated it. No one that acted in those movies wants anything to do with Star Wars ever again. Mark Hamill feels disgusted. Han Solo is the only one that was happy because he finally died in a movie, and it's just it's it's ridiculous on my end that Disney has just taken Star Wars and ruined it so much, and I'll probably release a separate uh, episode completely going over what George Lucas actually had plans for for his sequel trilogy had he never sold it, which I don't know if I'll ever forgive him for, but nonetheless, while I was watching Kenobi, I felt, you know, conflicted, like I said, because it made me angry because they wasted so much potential. I feel like the story was split into too many different ways, and I don't know why. Why, What I mean by that when I say that is that it's supposed to be the story of Kenobi. You know, it it reminded me of the book of Boba Fett, in in all honesty, because it was supposed to be about Kenobi. And we have Kenobi bits, but it was also a story about the Inquisitors and Reva and young Leia, and, you know, Senator Organa, and, you know, Darth Vader, and a little teeny tiny bit of Palpatine, and, like, other Jedi. That's too much for just this one show. I I would be okay if it was Kenobi. I, I like the initial premises of let's add some Leia content, because unbeknownst to us, Kenobi was just stuck on Tatooine, trying to reach Qui Gon the entire time, and watching over Luke, we never really knew that he had interactions with Leia because of episode four, where she her basically her message is so vague, to where it was like, Dear Obi Wan Kenobi, like you helped my father in the clone wars. Like, okay, cool that could mean literally anything. She could have heard about him from her, you know, adoptive parents. She could have read about him when she became like an actual senator and started going through the history of the galaxy. She could have heard the name from a friend. But but now we obviously know that they had a, a deep connection and that message was probably just trying to get directly to Obi-Wan and, you know, maybe it was some time since they had seen each other and stuff. But, It was so focused around trying to build Leia, I feel like, as a character. And I I get that a little bit because you're trying to be like, okay, this is a child. We need to show the audience how similar to Padme she actually is. But I don't think we needed that because we already have those bits through the entire original trilogy. Now, I'm not saying that I don't like the Leia content. I I really do enjoy it, but I feel like it took too much of a precedence because then there was that whole part where Reva tried to capture Leia and Reva, I hate to jump on the intergalactic bandwagon of just hating her character, but it just wasn't good. I understand what they were trying to go for, to whereas she was a youngling, she pretended to play dead, it's very, you know, heartfelt, anything, Order 66 always really just gets into my heart, pulls on the strings a little bit, makes me feel bad for people, but it kind of is just like, cool, we get it, you were a youngling, you played dead, now you're an Inquisitor somehow, and you're trying to kill Vader, but us as fans know that's never going to work. Now... What I had on the most part for just general... I tried to make a little little flowchart to organize my my thoughts, if you will, on this episode. And the losses, I feel like, were just... It was so focused around, around Riva that it lost sight of the fact that we were getting all of the Inquisitors finally in live action. I wanted to see more of the Grand Inquisitor. I wanted to see more of the sisters and brothers of the Inquisitor family... And I wouldn't have minded if they would have shied away from all of the Leia and Reva backstory and kind of shown us just backstory all of the Inquisitors. Like, how did they come to do that? Now, I don't know if they're saving that for potentially a another Darth Vader series where we basically take the Vader Immortal comics and kind of slap them down into a format of a Disney Plus show, but... I just, it was so choppy, her story, like, why focus on her? What made her so important? All that happened was she got worked by Vader, and he had probably the most disrespectful fight scene that we've ever had in all of Star Wars. And that's where I felt so conflicted about the Kenobi series as a whole. Because, you know, we have those terrible arcs with, you know, Leia and Riva, And with their f- on the last episode, it made me so mad because we have this amazing fight scene with Anakin and Obi-Wan that I'll get to in a minute. But at the same time, it's like you have Anakin and Obi-Wan kind of dueling it out. Finally, their long-awaited rematch after 10 years. Vader's dropping lines. Obi-Wan's getting his ass kicked. And then he lifts up all these rocks. And then it's just in between that, it's cutting back to a half-beaten Riva. A, a fully trained inquisitor for the for the Sith. She is fully embracing the Sith, chasing after a farm boy, two farmers that don't even know how to shoot a blaster properly. And you're telling me that she can't just cut through their entire house, take the kid. That was it was so it was so stupid. On as <laughs> what I thought, and I was getting mad, and I skipped bits of it because it was like, just show me Anakin and Obi Wan, like just going at it. Show me some flashbacks during their fight. Give me more depth. Give me more inter fighting dialogue. Give me just a longer fight. This is Vader in his prime, and this is Obi Wan kind of emerging from his kind of hermitness back to being like, I am Obi Wan Kenobi. I was a Jedi Grand Master. Like, come on. This is what we wanted. And it, then it's just like, oh, it's switching back to Luke climbing up a ladder and Baru getting you know, bitch-slapped by Riva as she tips over some flower pots, and Uncle Owen is in the back with, like, some broken ribs going, run, Luke, run! Like, that's just not enjoyable television. I just, I simply do not care for any of it. Because, like I said, this was supposed to be a Kenobi-centered thing. And I don't want to be one of those fans that is just like, I need action all the time, and if I don't get action, this is a terrible television show. I don't necessarily mean that, but I feel like there are some stories that are action-centric. Perfect example, Andor. That is not an action-centric Disney Plus show. If you go watch that show, you are not going to get the prime of Star Wars action, all right? But instead, you're going to get well-developed characters, brilliant dialogue, and a very introspective day-to-day life of what it was like living under the reign of the Empire. I don't want that when I'm trying to see Obi-Wan Kenobi on the first for the first time in my screen in like almost 20 years. I want to see him just wail his lightsaber, kick some ass. Now I understand that when the show picks up, he's a crumb he's a shell of himself. So I understood the progression they took through him to where he had to get through all of his issues, and you know, just now at the final episode is he able to just fully just wail on Vader and kick his ass. I get that. I understand that, but what I'm trying to get at is instead of the different arcs that they chose to use, I feel like they really missed out on the utilization of having Kenobi have so much trauma as a whole. You could have done so much with that. I would not have minded, like, a. here's the thing, because Disney loves to just tease us with these, like, 30 to 35-minute episodes where we're just sitting there salivating for more. They're doing it now with The Mandalorian, which I'll get to in an episode I'll probably uh, publish this Thursday, is I would be okay with a 30-minute episode with five minutes of credits if that 20 to 25 minutes of content was just Obi-Wan meditating and getting through his trauma, maybe he's visited by Yoda, maybe he keeps trying to reach out to Qui-Gon, and maybe you 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 bring back Qui-Gon a little sooner than you did, or maybe he's trying to when he's failing, and it's just a, like, you spend five to ten minutes on him just being, like, just totally engulfed in his PTSD, Because he had an apprentice who he loved like a brother. And he feels like he is the reason that he turned to the dark side. And then decided to kill all of the Jedi kids. Help execute Order 66. Hunt down and eliminate the Jedi as Anakin. And then he had to go to Mustafar. Watch Anakin kill his beloved friend Padme and Anakin's true love and then also proceed to k- almost kill anakin or to what he thought up until reva told him that he actually did kill anakin do you un- like i don't think the the directors or anything understand how much trauma that is to live through but it's all okay because leia told him to stop being such a pussy and just he realized eventually through reva ch- hunting him down that vader only wants him and that anakin's alive and it's just all forgotten Now, I could be wrong, and they could be saving most of that for season two if they make one and have Qui-Gon kind of guide him through everything. But we could have even gotten some type of Darth Maul cameo. Spoilers ahead, if you haven't seen Rebels, we know what happens between Kenobi and Maul eventually during Rebels. But Kenobi could have went somewhere. He could have heard through the grapevine that Darth Maul was still alive somehow and maybe went on a mission to figure out, you know, what did Maul know? There's so many directions that they could have went with this. And I feel like they can, they can definitely set up, you know, still keeping on track with the canon of rebels and the fact that, you know, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi eventually meet and, you know, what happens, happens. But like he could have tried to track down Maul because Maul knew what was going on with the grand plan. But, How would Obi-Wan Kenobi know this because Ahsoka never got the chance to tell him, well, this is the part where Ahsoka could have tried to go find Obi-Wan. Or Obi-Wan could have meditated and instead of searching for Qui-Gon's voice, he searches for it. He can't find it, but somehow he finds out that Ahsoka is still alive. That Ahsoka is still okay. That she's not dead. Or vice versa. I would have much rather have had him reconnecting with Ahsoka somehow. Or vice versa. And her telling him like, listen, like I am also a part of the blame for this. Darth Maul told me that he knew something. That Anakin was going to be the way that he was. And that it was never going to be your fault, Obi-Wan. And I feel like that would be so much more powerful than the bullshit that we got. And not to mention that it was in six episodes. I mean, come on. If it's going to be like, Netflix has its TV shows, right? Or would you can use Titans from the DC Universe, doesn't matter. They have 10 to 12 episodes. And that, get Disney, this is the thing that pisses me off about Disney shows so much. Disney cannot afford to have a filler episode. Because they're... Episode running times, like, or the length of their series, is rather, is so abysmally short. If you want to have a filler episode, then you have that luxury. Because you have another, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 episodes to fall back on for the main plot. That's why I'm saying it's either you make these long series to where they're similar to Mandalorian, to where we're getting, like, closer to 10 episodes rather than making six, wasting two of them with filler that's not even associated with the main character whatsoever, and then we get four episodes of rushed plot, not enough character development, and that's how you get the Star Wars and Marvel fans just absolutely outraged. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely terrible how much they wasted this Kenobi show. It, it really is. And what can save them is if they rectify this by making a season two and include most of the things that I just mentioned. Okay, because Ewan McGregor is in love with the role of Obi-Wan. Liam Neeson, while he's not as enthusiastic with it because he's done other roles, he doesn't want to be only known as Qui-Gon. He is a legendary actor. He has still expressed interest. Clearly, he came back for this show of wanting to come back to do Qui-Gon. So just give it one last go. Be like, listen, Mr. Neeson, we understand you want to come back as Qui-Gon. We understand your t- time is winding down. You know, just come back and do it for this one show and... And I swear to you that it's going to be okay. It's going to be worth your time. And afterwards, you never have to worry about being Qui-Gon Jinn ever again unless we pay you for like a voiceover and something. I feel like that's pretty reasonable. But hopping off of the hate bandwagon that you so much know and love. um, And I I kind of enjoy doing that because I feel like some of these Disney shows, I need to start critiquing a little bit more. Um, The Kenobi Pros, because while this... TV series brought us a lot of negatives and also brought us a lot of positives. Um, and most of which comes down to the interactions between Kenobi and Vader. You know, where the, the one that sticks out, that, that comes to mind first, is when they're fighting initially. And Darth Vader's like, you're weak. And, and you know, we get finally Kenobi sees Vader for the first time. And he's just taken aback. And he's just like... And like, what have you become? And then you just get this silence, and then Darth Vader goes, I am what you made me. And it's just, you're just sitting there as a viewer, and you're like, holy shit. Like, that is amazing. All right, you get lines from Kenobi talking to Leia, saying, you remind me of your mother. You know, like, talking about, and you see this this contempt, and she's like, you knew my parents, didn't you? And, and when he's about to leave to go back to Tatooine, how he, you know, holds Leia on the shoulder and he tells her all the qualities that she has of her mother and all the qualities she has of her father. And it's just, it's simply beautiful. And it's also really interesting to just get the flashbacks. Uh, the very, the, actually, I think it was just one that we got um, with Anakin and Obi-Wan training and... Will be ones like your lust for victory and your you know willingness to prove yourself kind of will be not only your downfall, but it's like it's it's not about that. You know, it's more about defensive procedures and kind of like, you know, preserving your enemy, not attacking them to win. Um and it was also just nice Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor kind of just being these characters once again that we so very much loved. Um and there was there was definitely other lines woven throughout. Um, the series mostly went, mostly centered around Vader and Kenobi because that is what we came for, damn it. Like, when the Grand Inquisitor is like, hey, we're about to stop this fleet of Rebels. And he's like, we can't just let one Jedi, you know, ruin this. And Darth Vader is kind of just like, he is no Jedi. Like, Kenobi is mine. Prepare my ship. Like, we are diverging. Who gives a shit about the Rebels? I want Kenobi." And then we get the the amazing cameo from uh, Ian McDiarmid uh, as Emperor Palpatine saying, you know, like, I think your personal feelings in this matter are getting in the way of everything. It was a terrible, terrible impression. I swear I can do better, but it was in the spur of the moment and I want to do it. <laughs> Don't judge me. Um, but... It was really amazing, and then the next line that follows to where as we just see how easily Vader bows down to Palpatine still, and he's just like, Kenobi means nothing to me, like, basically, whatever your wish is, it's my command, my master. Um, and just all the dialogue, basically, between Kenobi and Darth Vader is kind of what wraps it up. Um, So all in all, I really hope that we get a second season. I think there's more that you could take through with this story. Um, I hope some of my bashes against the series are wrong. And that in the Ahsoka series coming out later this fall, that, you know, maybe she stumbles upon Kenobi, although I think it is going to be very Ezra-centered. But who knows? Um, so that's about all I have for the Star Wars aspect of things. But Marvel, what what piqued my interest in this this Marvel cascade that I had? Um, I'm not sure uh, how many of you know this, just because of the way the timeline and everything shifts. Endgame, not Endgame. Marvel Infinity War in April will have came out five years ago. Five years ago. Just sit there and let that let that sink in. Infinity War is what people would call the peak of Marvel. Everyone thinks it was their peak. Perfect storytelling, perfect character development, the right length of the movie. And I just sat there and I remembered what it was like going in there the first time to see that movie. And I walked away and I was just like... In awe, I was like, holy... I was like, they made a superhero movie where the heroes lost. The heroes lost themselves, they lost one another, the world lost. And I will never forget the inching and having to wait, I believe it was a full year, to get the second part in Avengers Endgame and how beautiful that was done. It also blew my mind because it has been five years already since that movie. And we have spent three of those five years already being done with phase four. Like that is just absolutely absurd to me. We're already on phase five and we're not even officially five years away from Avengers Infinity War. Now, I don't know how many reports you guys read, but I, I, there was interviews with Kevin Feige and There's been sayings of Bob Iger, you know, I'm basically going to summarize it, paraphrasing. Neither of them said these exact words, but this is what I gathered from it. Basically, the old CEO of Disney, I believe, had this kind of just quantity over quality mentality. And Bob Iger is trying to uh, come back in and reinstate the quality over quantity. Um, he also stated that there's gonna be a new Avengers team emerging and he doesn't feel the need that we need to start keep bringing back old members from you know old team ups and all these old actors. Um, so that's very interesting to see. Um, another step in the right direction for Marvel is just the other day they fired the head of the special effects team that directs all of the special effects for these Marvel movies. Um, the reports have been leaked that it was a very toxic work environment, that she gave the special projects to people she favored, and if you pissed her off, you were quote-unquote frozen now. I don't know what that means. Does that mean you work on the movie Frozen or you just can't do anything? Um, it is also led to believe that firing of this head special effects artist that created this toxic work environment is what led to the reports being leaked a little while back that basically says we don't have time to make these special effects as good as people th- want them to be because we have projects on top of projects whatever you're seeing we finished that like four months ago we're already on to the next project and i feel like she was the reason that it was so like she hulk cgi was dog shit uh dr strange having the third eye looked absolutely awful it looked like a googly eye for god's sake like everyone through phase four was like the cgi in marvel is trash This is probably the head reason why. So a lot of people are now speculating that the massive changes that we have kind of seen, do we like them? And what I mean by that is all of Phase 4 and Ant-Man Quantumania, right now, everything in Marvel has seemed so hit or miss. You know, will it flop? Will it blow up? How's the community going to react? How much money will it make? We're going to see the movie regardless, but... It wasn't looking so hot for a while. Like there was promising shows like Loki and you know Spider-Man No Way Home, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. A lot of people liked and hated Multiverse of Madness. I was always on the fence about it. But that's why Marvel has been just so hit or miss recently. And I think part of the reason is because of everything I just mentioned. Because the old CEO just wanted to push out as much content as possible because it's Marvel, it'll make money, we can do merchandising, let's go, let's go, let's go. And Kevin Feige never really had a say in anything. And this VXF chick was just making it a very toxic work environment. So now that I'm hoping, because if, if you haven't noticed... The next Marvel project that we get, right, is James Gunn's Guardians of uh, the Galaxy. That will be fantastic, but that's James Gunn. That has always been his own separate thing, his own separate team. He has full creative control over everything. They don't really have much of a say in that. But after that, we have to wait until summer of 2023 for Loki, or so we thought. Because here's the thing. They said... There was a there was a post on Marvel's website that said Loki, you know, season two. It went from summer of 2023 to coming soon. There's a lot of projects getting pushed back. The Marvel's release date got pushed back. You have, I believe it was the Deadpool movie got pushed back, Fantastic Four, all of the new Avengers movies. There's a lot of talk saying they're going to split Secret Wars into what they did with Infinity War and Endgame. Now, if you remember, whenever the new phase got announced, whenever the new phase is the next saga, the multiversal saga, got announced, Kevin Feige initially said that he wants the next Avengers movies to to be, and I quote, better than Endgame. They do not want to see the peak of their franchise be Infinity War and be Endgame. So now that they have Bob Iger back in the saddle of Marvel Studios, not really Marvel Studios, sorry, back in the saddle of Disney, Kevin Feige is able to breathe. He is able to have his own creative say in everything. They're going to push back because we forget it took 11 years to get to Endgame. And we are already through phase four and we are three years in. Now, listen, I love comic book movies as much as the next guy. I really, really love them. But with this era of Disney Plus TV shows to kind of mitigate, you know, our hunger for comic book content before the movies, I think it would be okay if yearly we had two movies, in, like, a TV show or two. Like, I feel like that is a very reasonable thing. You have your big, you know, middle of the year, like, February, March release for a superhero movie. Then in May slash over the summer, you have a TV show or two. And then in the fall, you either have an initial kickoff movie to kind of be like, this is our big fall movie for the franchise, followed up by a TV show to kind of wrap up the year, or vice versa. You have a TV show in the summer, TV show in the fall, and you have a movie in, like, November, you know, late November, early December to kind of wrap up the year. I feel like that would give enough spacing that the Marvel community can get excited about it again when we're ready to have content dropped. Like, they had Ant-Man Quantumania, right? That was back in February. Right now I am digesting The Mandalorian as I watch it, but... After that, it gets done around mid-April. I'm going to want Guardians of the Galaxy whenever it is time to watch it again. I wouldn't be mad if they made it like the end of May. I feel like that would fit it a little bit better. But I'm fine with uh, it being May 5th. But with it being May 5th, I I will have had enough breakage from ant-man and the quantum mania to be like yep i am ready to consume more marvel content i'm ready to watch more marvel things whereas there was a point in phase four where i was like jesus christ i have to watch two tv shows at the same time every week when they come out to be ready for this next movie you know it was just it was a lot like it was like almost a movie or tv show like every single month and that's a lot all right i think the, the sticking to four programs a year or even cut it down to three if you want to make your Disney Plus shows a little bit better, just make them like 10 episodes. That's 10 weeks. That is all. That is two whole months. Do that and have two shows. Have one towards the beginning of the year, one towards the end of the year. A show during the summer to kind of bridge it all together, gap it out. And you're absolutely right there. You're ready to go. But there is also... Uh rumors going around based off of Ant-Man Mania, and I know this isn't a DC show, but Shazam 2 came out, and that majorly flopped. I believe in its opening week, and I saw reports that said it made $66 million. It might not crack $200 million. A movie is supposed to be able to wipe its ass and hand you a $200 million box office payout. And so the rumors are going around because Creed did really well. I believe there was another movie that came out around this time. I think it's another John Wick movie that's coming out or already came out that's doing phenomenal. People are speculating. They're wondering, is this now comic book fatigue? Are we tired of going to the movies and literally every time we're there, it is some new comic book movie? Now, this is my absolute passion. I love the whole superhero and Star Wars universe. That's my one of my escapes from stresses in life. So I will always enjoy going to the movies, whether it be my dad, whether it be my girlfriend and her friends. You know, I will always enjoy it and I'll never get sick of it. But the way that it worked for Sh- with Shazam is I just didn't have any expectations. And I don't want that to trickle over into Marvel. Like I want there, like when I'm going to see a Marvel movie, part of the fun is being like, What the hell are they going to do? I wonder if this is going to happen. I want, like, theorizing all the way leading up into the movie. And then after the movie, being like, that was a great movie, but let's get back to theorizing because, holy shit, a lot went down. And finding, like, the right runtime With Shazam, I feel like I didn't do that. I feel like I went in and I was like, this is a superhero movie. I saw the first one. I'm going to see the second one. Cool. And then after the movie, I was like, well, that was better than expected. I liked it a little bit better than Ant-Man Quantumania, believe it or not. Um... But I digress. This is not a uh, DC show, uh, but it was just—it was—it was amazing to see because it might be true, and I really don't want it to be true because I think Marvel can bounce back from it. I feel like the James Gunn DC EU could bounce back from it. I think it just needs time, and I think after Guardians of the Galaxy, if we don't get another TV show or movie. Un- from Marvel until like August or September, honestly, I would be kind of fine with that because I feel like that would give, like, I, I feel like Marvel just needs something big to happen so they can give like a definitive break. Kind of like we got an in Infinity War, like, like you had a full year in between each of the pieces of content that you got. And it really, like I said earlier, it really just made you crave it like you needed to have it. So I feel like what they're doing in their plans for the future, like I've always said on the show before, in Kevin Feige, we trust. And I feel like if they space out the shows, if they're starting to do this whole thing where they just do some reshoots, like I, I can tell that Marvel is putting in the work. It kind of sucks from a fan standpoint because it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, baby, like we're getting Loki this summer. Uh, it's coming soon now, but I would rather have to wait a little bit longer and really crave the show and finally start being like, when are we getting that? When is that coming out? Oh yeah, didn't they announce this? Rather than being like, well, we got that, but whoop-dee-daisy, Disney sucks again. So I really like the fact that what they're doing, and if you want Avengers Secret Wars to be split into two, everyone so far seems to really like that idea because If they keep trying to do this, like, let's shove as much plot we can into a two-hour movie, it's not going to cut it. You know, each part of Secret Wars needs to be like Infinity Wars in Endgame. Pushing three hours with the credits, like, at least two hours and 30 minutes, two hours and 45 minutes, however it works out, of, like, full-on plot building, screen, like, everything. Because there's a lot we still have to figure out, and there's a lot that Kang is going to be involved in, and I feel like overall it is about to slowly become a lot better in the Marvel community based on you know what we're gonna do and I seriously just can't wait for all of that to kind of come to fruition I, I you know in Kevin Feige we trust I, I think it's gonna be eventually really amazing there's a lot more stories to tell there's still a lot more content than we have to get through um but I'm really excited to see where it goes. I hope all of the ideas and the changes that they're making to these shows and movies and why they're getting delayed and the reshoots that they're doing, I hope it's for the better. I hope we still don't get a crappy product whilst these are all being done. But that's about what wraps it up for this show today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you all enjoyed yet another episode of the Marvel Galaxy Podcast. Like I said in the beginning of the video, if you know somebody that is a Marvel or Star Wars fan, send them my way. We will treat them amazingly And go ahead and follow the Instagram, if you haven't already, the.MarvelGalaxy. And I look to be hearing from you guys. Hopefully we can grow this channel and it can become more of an interactive thing. I'm trying to look into how to produce podcast episodes on YouTube to try and grow myself there as well. Um, So, yeah, I hope you guys all have an amazing rest of the day. And stay awesome.